Welcome, you're listening to Into the Trenches. Pick the low place. Hello, hello. This is your host, John Hebner. It is March 12th, 2022. And welcome to Lent. And with me, I have the one and only Sarah Ann. That's me. <laughs> and so we are, we are in a season of Lent. So we're kind of trying to shape our lives or maybe be a little bit more intentional on some things that we're doing in our lives. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are in our basement and we're going to dig right in because we have an exciting podcast. What, what I love about our podcast is I typically write the podcast based on what's going on in life, how we're living out, what we're learning, and things that are going on in our, our family or books that we're reading or things that are just on my heart. And Sarah usually has no idea. Like she literally just walked down here and was like, hey, what are we talking about? What are we about? talking about? <laughs> so, so it'll be raw. Yeah, it's, it's coming fresh from Sarah every time. I like no that way. Yeah. So if you hear anything great from Sarah, she's like spot on coming f- fresh off. It's just always flowing. <laughs> it is. Uh, before we dig in, well, today we're actually going to talk about waking up and I, I guess in two in two senses of the meaning, um, uh, waking up our hearts, but also just waking up in the morning. And mm-hmm. because we're in the season of Lent, how powerful habits are and shaping good habits are. And we want to dig into, you know, me and Sarah have been trying to infuse really good habits into our home and our family and mm-hmm. and talk about how God's at work in that and how that can really help us in subversive practices and trying to do some really hard things that are countercultural. But before we do, let's talk about what's new, what's hot in our yeah. lives. So what were we thinking, Sarah? <laughs> I don't know. So it's we, a mighty big one, folks. Yeah. So I we ended up getting a puppy and adding another child to our family. And it has been work. Holy crap. I <laughs> know that our heart is waking up except in stress. Yeah, we, we have been full on puppy mode and chaotic stress full puppy mode yes so we have and we haven't really posted anything about having a new puppy or getting a new puppy time to post i don't even have the brain cells to post (laughs) i don't even want to introduce the dog to the world because i'm mad at it half the time (laughs) maybe part of it is because in in, internally we know that there's a chance we're getting rid of this dog we don't want everyone giving us a bad time Man, those Hebners, like they should have known. We're that quitters, they, man. Yeah, they're a bunch of quitters. What are they doing? We're thinking getting that dog. Yeah, they're like, you know, this cheesy post. Look at the love of this, love of our lives. This cute little puppy. And the next post is like, got rid of our dog. Awesome. <laughs> She's out of here. <laughs> no longer here. Hope that doesn't happen. We do have a puppy. We're, We're going to stick it out. In, in some sense of the manner, super excited and have been having a lot of fun with it. And the other sense of the manner. It's a lot of work. Oh, it's like I'm losing hair by the second. Yeah. people and it is a ton of work and you have to be spot on every every second so that has been huge that has been what's new and what's hot and it's been full on another thing we like to talk about is things that we're reading uh, one of the books i wanted to highlight that uh, both me and sarah have been reading is called habits of the household by justin early it's a really good book and uh, i finished it i think sarah's read I'm a portion of it and Today, that's what we're going to talk about. It's going to be a big piece of our podcast. You know, if, if we don't shape our habits, uh, the world's going to shape them for us. And that's like a good, nice smack in the face and yeah, uh, some really, really good ideas. And I'm like, oh, man, I love this stuff and the things that he talks through and, you know, the frantic 
environment of his family i'm like man our family's the same yeah. you know there's there's always there's one kid screaming one kid wants a snack we got something burning on the stove now we got a dog that's peeing dog on our floor, on our floor. <laughs> it's like the opening scene of home alone every day in our house Feels like it. <laughs> people running it running around and crazy and so it's just really good about establishing healthy habits but knowing that these aren't going to be perfect habits because we do live in frantic home sometimes and yeah. it's just it's just about trying to just show up and God meets us when we do show up and so we'll talk about that book a little bit but I highly recommend it if you haven't heard of him or that book yeah. another thing was hot um, what are uh, sometimes I like talking about our go-to drinks because sometimes drinks are popular and and they have been a part of our culture and whether that's a coffee or tea mm. that you go somewhere to get and what are what is your go-to drink and so I've tried this a couple times just cuz I've been getting into coffee and making coffee not so much for the taste but more so for the habit of it I mean almost <laughs> like a habit right yeah like the habit of making it looking and forward to this particular 5 minutes of your day correct it's more about the process of going from the bean to what happens in the cup than it actually is drinking it but now I'm starting the more and more I drink it the more I'm enjoying it so the few that I've been making, making warm has been a dirty chai. And so you kind of make a, a chai latte and then put my espresso shots in there. But I, I do decaf espresso shots because the chai latte and a caffeinated espresso shot, That's I'd be bouncing lot. off the walls. Yeah. I might as well do that, though. I haven't been sleeping any, so <laughs> might as well go full on dirty chai. Yeah. It's kind of fun, too, because a lot of times me and Sarah will go into coffee shops and we'll go like, hey, what are their winter drinks? What are their spring drinks? And like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. And it's like, okay, get me uh, a latte <laughs> with oat milk and nothing special. Uh, but we did. We went to a coffee shop uh, called The Cause, I think, right? Is mm-hmm. it, yeah. Out in DeSoto, Kansas. And uh, they did have one that was called The Winter Lodge. And they didn't even tell you what was in it. It was just like, this is going to taste like winter. And it kind of did. It was kinda pretty did, good. Yeah. So I went. Sometimes I do go crazy and get a unique drink that's on, yeah. the, on the menu and on the list. Yeah. Sarah, do you have any go-to drinks right now? I always get uh, a mocha, which is a <laughs> chocolate latte, basically. Although I, there are some places where I will go just latte. Yeah. So I am not big adventurous, so I will find the drink I like at each place, and I order the same thing every time. Sometimes, so. we'll, sometimes we'll see who the roaster is and the kind of coffee that they're making, and if we, if we know it's a kind of coffee that we really like, sometimes we, we will get just the, the latte because we know it's going to be super good. But every coffee shop we go to makes yeah. like really good sounding drinks. I just don't ever order them. <laughs> Correct. So I'm sure people out there are enjoying it. All right, on what's what's new, what are we watching on our television? So me and Sarah have been watching Rock the Block on HGTV. It's so good. Die Hards, I man. Know. I love it, man. These All these different talents from different shows on HGTV competing against each other. It's fun to watch. Yeah. And then just, I guess maybe there's just a part of us that loves watching somebody that's just like, somebody gets we to got redo this their massive house. budget and we're just going to go in a blank slate and redo us, our house. And we're looking at, oh, that'd be sweet to do our house. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun to watch. We did, we did get into Jack Reacher, uh, which was a fun show to get through. I mean, there's definitely some things that are not, you know, kid-friendly, but... Correct. Um, definitely an adult show, yeah. so if you don't like violence or language, But man, there's, there is something, I don't know, inside of us that, which is probably not a great thing you about... You want the guy to, I, sur- like, win, man. Yeah, and then, and then especially if there's anybody the that's, like, correct, lose. a bully, like, you just, when Jack Reacher punches him and elbows him in the face you're like yes and it's so gross knock that dude's teeth out (laughs) it's still wild that's god's child too we should be feeling that hit him again hit him again (laughs) 
And it, it still blows my mind that Jack Reacher is the kid from Hunger Games, man. I still can't get over that. Yeah, he looks Every totally episode, different. I, I had thought about that the whole time. Yeah, so if you've seen Catching Fire, Hunger Games, Jack Reacher, the main character, plays one of the... 20 years? Yeah, it's been a while. Since we were in college, right? I mean, the kid was already... (laughs) It's like a 38-year-old guy doing this, man. Yeah, so he's one of the tributes in in Catching Fire. But yeah, he completely... Mind blown, man. Mind blown. A lot can happen when you eat your Wheaties. It's like twice the size. (laughs) That's why you should continue to work out, folks. Um, another thing, you know, we, we always talk about eating local. So one of the places that we've been visiting, which we kind of knew from a friend of a friend who opened the restaurant, uh, Nick, the Greek, which I think is a California a restaurant from California that just started opening up branches here in the Kansas city area. And we don't really have a lot of Greek food around here. And so it was kind of refreshing to get some good Greek food close mm-hmm. to us. That's not good. Hopefully you guys to find something local around you that you can go either get a drink or yeah support or or get some food from. Yep. All right. When we come back, we'll we'll kind of dig into a hot topic that's kind of been heavy on the heart, but we'll 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 dig into it when we come back. All right, welcome back. So this is our hot topic, and I, I just had too many hot topics that I was writing down, so I tried to find a word that would tether them together, at least the way I felt about them in my heart. And the word that kept coming to, coming to my mind is the word entitlement. That's just been a word that's been on my mind, revolving around a few different things. For example, if I think about the topic work from home, I know that as we continue to transfer working from home or transfer working back in the office, there's a lot of a lot of frustrations where people have now have this new sense of entitlement of mm-hmm. the environments that were created, and it's always hard to transition or shift back to a different place. Also, something as a parent, I never thought I'd have to really understand on a deep level that I know will continue to be challenging is just uh, the decisions that people continue to make that may not have been God-given, um, but they want to be different than, I guess, what was God-given. And so there's this there's this constant conversation about hard topics where you have a kid that doesn't identify themselves as a male or as a female. And so you, you have the, these super hard discussions and topics that, again, I've been leaning towards this word entitlement where I do see a culture of people feeling entitled to choose for themselves who they are. You know, like they can freely go in and say, I want to be deemed they, them, right? And it just being a a really hard environment for both sides of every situation and really challenging for me. So we'll come back to that in a second. But the other thing is just war that's going on right now between Russia and the Ukraine and as I sit here in my home in the United States of America, I immediately lean into this sense of entitlement, like, hey, what they are experiencing there when I think about refugees freeing from the Ukraine, or there are humanitarian crises all across the globe that I'm not even aware of, that I know somebody who is and does have their nose in that could probably list off five or six countries that are in the same mess the Ukraine is right now. And I feel like, hey, I am entitled to peace here, right? Mm -hmm. And 
nobody can take that away from me. And that's, that's not a given thing. And that can be pulled out from under us, right? Any moment. And we, we aren't entitled to that and what we, what we have here. And we, we live in a place where, you know, that, that we seem to be in a safer bubble, but that may not be the case. And same thing going back to um, just a lot of the things that we continue to face with kids or even young adults or even adults and in a lot of the challenging situations that are going right now in this sense of entitlement it's it's just it's just hard for me to deal with personally I just have a struggle with it where I, I feel like hey God has created you to be this personal thing or this beautiful thing and I know that there are one there are weird things that happen that we can't explain and then two I know that emotionally people are in a really hard place. Um, and just not understanding who they are, which breaks my heart to a deep level. Um, but there's also a part of me that's like, man, somebody, we, w- there is a lack of love in a lot of places right now. And some of that is like almost sounding as silly as me saying like, I, I am so entitled to anything and everything that I want to, that I, I can move into a situation and say, hey, I'm going to win this award because I want to be the first Afri- African-American to do this, even though I am not African-American at all. I'm Caucasian, I'm white, I was born white, but I feel like I'm entitled to say that I am African-American, and so I'm going to move in and, and say I'm the first African-American to do this. Like, no, you, you can't, you're not. You're not mm-hmm. the first African-American. And so I say this across all of these different environments where, man, there's a lot of people that are just really leaning into this sense of entitlement, I just think it's disruptive, right? Mm-hmm. I would say so. And I think we have the ability to sit in entitlement, right? Because we were born in a certain country, you know, and I think that affords us a mentality. And some people would quote maybe God-given rights, right? To be entitled, like because of where we were born. And at the same time, we can look at other countries and other places and know you know, that's not a given and that's not actually a mentality that people live with and operate from, right? And I think that is important that we are continually expanding our viewpoint, right? Because I only know a certain way of life because of where I was born, how my family raised me, the values that I was instilled with, right? And so my bubble is small, but if I continue to just live in that space, I feel like I can be entitled to things, right? As as opposed to meeting people, spending time in places that are not inside that bubble, right? And so that my, my viewpoint, my outlook continues to grow and hopefully lessens the amount of entitlement I could naturally feel, you know, and I think that's what we strive for with our kids, like situations or people or whatever that, that is what, where, how can we move our family, ourselves, our kids, our family as a whole into places where we can maybe not, well, to fight against entitlement, right. But also to work through entitlement, you know, because when I take my kids to target, their bubble is real small. They think, Mommy and daddy go into Target, they have a list of five things, and they come out with ten things. Great, I'm going to ask for a toy every time I go into Target, right? But if I take my kids to serve at a food pantry, and people are coming in for food because they have no money, 
or, you know, they, they have limited funds to go to a grocery store or to Target and buy the five things, that's very different, right? Like, so I have to set myself up for the ability to process, like, what are situations I can read about? Who are people I can talk to that are struggling with, struggling with their life and how do I move through that and view of like my own personal entitlement and then what they view in, yeah. as entitlement, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of challenging because I get I get so stinking frustrated. Even think about the example of the Olympics where you had China getting really frustrated because Nathan Chen was performing for the United States, and then you have the United States getting really frustrated because I may not be saying her name right, but Eileen um, Eileen Gu, who's the skier, mm-hmm. um, skiing for China, and it's like, what? Why? Are we, why are countries getting upset about that stuff? Like. The, you know, like we have talked before, air has no passport, right? Like mm-hmm. air can just freely go wherever. And these are beautiful children of God. And this topic is way too hot for, yeah. <laughs> you know, we could spend eight hours on this. But I just wanted to bring it up because I know it's it's prevalent and it's all over. And I just wanted to throw this out there that sometimes I think we need to lean into um, something that pulls us away from that, which is a word like the word forgiveness. Forgiveness is going in the different direction of entitlement or losing like we have to be okay with losing or losing and Mm -hmm. i think when we do that we find ourselves helping those that are in the trench and in a much beautiful more in a a more beautiful state of shalom yeah and i think we have to be able to have the ability to sit in our own areas of where we feel that entitlement right for like myself like is it in this area? Is it in parenting? Is it in material objects, right? And to say, you know, like, I have to sit with that with Christ and go, like, where are those areas? And that's where I have to lean into, right? And that's where I have to, well, I guess, pull away and lean in, right? Because I'm pulling away from the entitlement. But like, there are areas that I'm going to have, like, what do I struggle with? That's like, what are the hot topics on the news, right? That just push my buttons. And so those are the areas that you have to be able to be honest with yourself, right? And say like, this has to decrease so that I can come into the the fullness of what the Lord has for the people of God. Yeah. So, I mean, sanctification is hard. Yep. So when we come back, we're going to dig into lived out, formed on the inside for life on the outside. Coming up next. All right, welcome back to Lived Out, Formed on the Inside for Life on the Outside. So we're calling this section Waking Up or How, how You Wake Up <laughs> in the Morning. Uh, yeah, I, I truly believe that community and liturgies are absolutely critical. And if I'm being honest, I feel like the rug could get pulled out from us any moment. Uh, our dehumification, our disgust, hate towards others continues to be on a surface that's right in front of our face, the brink of war. There's there's nationalism, individualism, consumerism, racism, all the isms, right? And, you know, I thought it would be good to take a deep breath and just kind of inhale, exhale, and just expect God to do something amazing, expect God to show up 
it's not uncommon to find God in the trench and to meet him there and to see him there or that he would meet you there. Um, or, you know, if you're looking for him, you know, that's where you probably could find him or would find him with the least of these in the trench, in the mess, in the, in the margins. And I think God's words on how we build our house is so critical. And I, I truly, truly believe the key, you know, is a solid foundation and how you wake up is a big part of that. And so, like we said earlier, we've kind of been reading Habits of the Household, and I thought it just had some just really good, powerful statements in there. And before we dig into the book, you know, I, I really believe that the first 10 to 40 minutes of our days can really set the rest of the day. Are we going to be frantic and on our heels for the next eight hours, or will we have a well-focused mind regarding what we want to get accomplished for the day? This can be the, the difference between being proactive or reactive. And we can tell you right now that the last probably, what, like? Two weeks, three weeks, <laughs> five years. Every night, there has been either a kid crying for something, a kid throwing up because they're sick, or a puppy's whining and crying yeah. oh Except my last night we yeah had a it was actually solid quiet quiet night, night. oh and so, it was awesome so good but it is crazy how those like how what happens in the middle of the night really sets and wrecks your first 10 to 40 minutes of the next morning to where everything is frantic and it's crazy how that frantic morning turns in turns the rest of your day into a frantic day and so I've, I've always put my my focus, at least I've always had a, a big focus on a morning routine because I personally am a morning person. <laughs> so I'm usually up at 5.45, 6 o'clock in the morning, ready to go. I'm, I'm doing my breakfast. I usually read a little bit of scripture while I'm eating breakfast and it's in the dark. You know, I'm the only one in, in the room. Everybody else is still asleep. And then I kind of get everything set up and established and head into work. And I'm usually at work a good bit before anybody else is there. And so I kind of read through some emails and just feel like I am ready to hit the ground running and have good focus. And, you know, there are lots of healthy ways to start your day. That could be meditation. That could be stretching. It could be working out. It could be a good meal. It could be going alarm-free, walking the kids to school. And I think we do a lot of those things. You know, we, we talk about our morning routines, even though we may not think of them right in the moment, but those are like really good, healthy things that help kick off our, our day, just like a simple walk uh, with our kids to school, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of times these morning routines can be seasonal, right? So sometimes yeah. me and Sarah both have had really good routines, but it just takes one thing and that, that thing is wrecked. Like both of us had had seasons where like we're really diligent about setting our day up for success by just getting a solitude time to work out and to start with like our physical a- activity there. Yeah. And then, you know, we don't got to worry about the rest of the day and we, we feel good about ourselves. Like we've, we've, we've been able to work out and stuff. And then maybe a cold stretch hits and we're like, it yeah. ends everything. And it's, it's hard because you think like I had a period of X amount of months or last time this year, last time, last time this year, sorry, you know, I was doing X, Y, and Z. And I think that's hard because you go, well, I had the routine or I had the flow, you know, and to say like, oh, I'm not there, you know, this year just isn't it. And that's really hard for me to admit and to know like, 
man, my mornings do not look the same. And then to realize like, oh, you have a puppy who barks when you get up. So you won't be waking up early to work out because the dog will then be barking. You know, I mean, so there's things that then come into your life that force you to change. I I think it's, it takes a while to change your viewpoint on that. Right. Because now I'm kind of in contempt of like, man, I'm really kind of irritated that now I, now I have to change my routine and I don't have the ability to get up and do the things that I think I should be doing to have a good morning. Yeah. And I know that basically we can't leave our room or the dog barks, you know what I'm saying? So like if I get up at five 30 to try to run or whatever, it's like, well, I have to be able to do it from a room. If a kid is, you know, up or something and you're like, well, I'm not getting up in four hours to go work out or whatever, get up early and read scripture. That's hard. I I have a tendency to hold resentment towards whatever force is changing my desire to have that habit. Most what they say in the book is like, most most of our days we wake up to our own monsters right like mm-hmm. you said whether it's we're facing monsters in our home that are mentally telling us like hey we are confined or constrained and we can't have the morning start the way we would want maybe that's on our knees in prayer and in solitude or maybe that is getting out and being active and there there are a lot of things even mentally that are just big monsters that we deal with when we wake up in the morning it was like hey I know that I I, ha- I am overwhelmed. There's so much work stuff I have to get done today. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And so this monster is already defeating me before I get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. Or I I know uh, I have to go take my kid to this sports event and there's this conflict with this other kid and that monster already defeats your entire day. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, you're already pre-predicting what's going to happen in some event during the day, mm-hmm. um, later on that day. And so you've just kind of wrecked your an alternate version of reality, right? And you let those lies enslave us Mm -hmm. and that happens pretty quickly. And then it, like you said, it's just a reactive day. You're already yelling at your kids because in your mind, you're thinking about the frustration that's going to happen some point later in the day or Mm -hmm. that did happen. And you were not setting yourself up for success for sure. Yeah. And I think that you have to, you know, the ability to say like, okay, this is off the table and this is off the table for me to do in the morning or to accomplish in the morning, right? And so what are the things that have to happen that can be my new normal, my new routine normal, right? Like, okay, my girls have to get to school. And so at eight o'clock every day, I am going to walk them to school or, you know, drive, whatever. But, you know, they everyone has to eat breakfast, like, what are the things that we can, that I can do that say, okay, I may not sit for an hour, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes in with the Lord, but once I get the girls to school and once Joshua has something to do, could I sit in the chair and can I do it then or at rest time in the afternoon, you know? And so I feel like that's hard though, because I feel like there's a lot of pressure for mornings to look very nice. Like, man, by eight o'clock I worked out. I spent an hour with the Lord. My kids all went to school and we all had smiles on our faces and we said our affirmations and everyone had a healthy breakfast. And when that doesn't happen, right, it's those monsters are roaring like you failed and it's 8.02. I mean, like sometimes your day I do, is done. Sometimes I do wonder or sometimes I look at all the families in church where we're sitting down and like, hey, did did all their mornings happen the way our morning happened? Where it was like... <laughs> did we yell at everyone until 9.59? Clothes flying, kids crying, you know, and then you walk in the church and you're like smiling. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good, yeah. This is a nice smack in the face. Uh, something he calls out in the book is, hey, if, if you if you wake up to social media, 
You're waking up to the monster of comparison and envy. Email is the monster of performance. News about how the world is, you know, falling apart. And likewise, something I struggle with is like if you wake up to like a to-do list, you know, that's the monster of busyness. And like I said, you're just overwhelmed by all the things that need to get done in that day. And so we have all these like roaring monsters that are just not great. And I think like what he talks about in the book, right, is establishing healthy boundaries or guidelines for yourself, for your own personal self that says like these these moments are precious. And so how am I going to guard them? How am I going to guard my heart in this beginning of the day, right? And so he talks in the book, like, doesn't he say uh, no social media for what the first hour or social media after he's in the Bible? You know, I mean, there's Correct. there's a couple like what you would call tips or tricks, but like the idea that those minutes are precious. And so like personally for me, right, I may not get 30 minutes in a devotional or the Bible, but how can I guard that hour, hour and a half before my kids are out the door? So I may not be doing my devotional time then, but am I immediately waking up to an alarm and then social media and then getting my kids up? And I've seen, oh, 20 families who have already gotten their kids dressed and all the kids matched and they all had perfect lunches, you know, and they had just a fun morning snuggling in the bed. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, let me go get my kids up. Who do I want to roll out of the bed? Yeah, I love I love how the day starts in Haiti when we're there. You you kind of wake up with the sun, and of course there's well roosters are going all night, and they're nocturnal there. I don't know what their problem is, but, <laughs> but there's usually animals making noise, and the sun's up, and pe- you hear people starting their activities for the day. And we typically get up and we'll we'll eat breakfast or get coffee together and kind of sit down at the table, and then as we're eating, you know, we'll have a time of devotion and just kind of set the day off on a on a just a, a really good start with prayer and and talking about maybe some story in scripture and the things we do and don't understand about it and then when we're done with that it's like you know a good inhale and exhale like I feel pretty good like let's go work hard and and you know get this day going and it's gonna be an awesome day you know we feel like we, we were well prayed for and like God's got this thing and is like, okay, let's do this. And it's just a really good start for the day. And like he says in the book, like, let, let there be light. And that's how we start our morning. If if light wakes us, we must let the light of Christ wake us to reality and who he is and the things he has for us. And I think that that can just be so refreshing. And I think that's hard too, right? I, I think of that for myself because that releases the ability for me to be in control of how everything goes in the morning. Now, as a parent, I still have control, right? But knowing I have to have my kids or I get to have my kids, however you want to say it, out the door at 8 o'clock, for me, having control and having less, what would you say, lightness in the house affords me control or the ability to feel in control that we will be put together and out the door, right? So for me to release that and to let more light in our morning, I have to recognize like that takes a lot of control out of my hands. Now, that's not to say like, okay, kids, do whatever you want until 7.59 because I don't trust my kids to magically listen at 7.59 versus 7 a.m., right? So at 7 a.m., I'm already starting on them. yeah, And so... Because I don't trust that at 7.59 when we walk out the door, everything's going to be magically 
put together, you know? And, and so that's hard because that releases like a lot of my ability to think I'm in control, I guess I should say, because we all know we're not fully in control no matter <laughs> no. what we do or say, No, you know? And we have last second, like we still have a kid who's just not ready mm-hmm. when it's time for school to start. And that's hard because that is the pressure of being ready to perform for the day, whether it's your kids ready to perform at school, whether I'm put together and ready to perform at work. In our country, we have a magical start time. Like eight o'clock, most people start work. Eight o'clock, kids are leaving the house or 7.30, whatever your school time is. But like there is a set structure to our day in this country, right? We don't have siestas in the afternoon like in spain right i mean like we are performing all day and so there's this sense of like we have to be ready to be able to perform at x time it doesn't give me the feeling that i can be light in the morning like i need to be rigid to get ready for that performance yeah no nobody wants to walk their kid crying to school right like it's a terrible experience but what do we do most of the time like you're not ready and we have to leave and this is the time we leave and there's no there's there's such a rigidity to that right to say like this is the time we leave and i will not give you an extra five minutes although what does an extra five minutes do in the the span of our day nothing if my kid's five minutes later to school who cares but that's hard to let go of let me see if this sits on your heart which is every morning we are looking for someone who is looking for us right every morning we're we're looking for somebody who's looking for us Sometimes we think maybe if I scroll further and faster, I'll find someone who is looking for me, right? Or I'll find something to calm my inner sense that everything is not okay. The reality is we need a parent. Mm -hmm. There's a father there for us, Mm -hmm. but that's not usually our Mm go-to, right? It's usually the snooze button for me, (laughs) right? Because from, you know, that prolongs like, I mean, okay, 50%, right? I hit the snooze button because I'm tired, but 50% is prolonging getting up and starting the day. I mean, it really is like, let me just spend an extra 10 minutes or extra however many times I hit the snooze button, just putting off what is waiting out in the hallway. Yeah, I think our kids observe and see our habits, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that. And I love this quote from the book. It says this, our best parenting comes when we think less about being parents of children and more about being children of God. Mm -hmm. Gosh, if that doesn't reduce you to your knees as a parent, then you're a lot tougher than I am. But to think like, how much time have I spent trying to force my parenting and my kiddos in a certain way to create a family full of habits right by parenting as opposed to being a child of god in my family yeah absolutely and i think why that is so again i kind of talk about why doing these things is why i feel like it's so critical not just for ourselves to not feel like we need to climb the ladder in the culture we live in, the ladder that we continue to climb, we keep climbing, 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 trying to get the king of the hill, only to realize that our ladder was laying on the wrong side of the wall the whole time anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, I love how our, our pastor Tim had said that. Like, hey, you, you get to that top of that ladder just to recognize that, hey, you had that ladder leaning against the wrong wall. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, oh, crap. Well, a lot of this is the way God calls us so counterculturally. I don't, I think it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to go into margins. It's really hard to help ourselves become more like Christ if we don't start our days like that. Because what he's asking us to do are really challenging things, which I said, these sub- subversive practices, which is loving our enemies, nonviolent resistance to oppression, giving gener- generously to those in need, you know, doing good for those you know, without expecting something in return, right? Mercy and not judgment. And so it's, it's really hard to, to lean into those and to make, make sense of those things if we're not starting our morning or our day in the right way and we're being more reactive and on our heels fr- and moving frantically every day, day in and day out. And then you're like, how do we even get here? Here we are, six, twelve, forty years later. Mm-hmm. I think that in a very rushed and chaotic habit of life is very self-centered, right? I mean, to be able to start my day with the Bible open, with quiet time, with reflection time, is really a time where I turn my eyes away from myself, right? And so. If I am completely cutting some of that light out or all of it out and all it is is from the time I wake up is how do I do X, Y, and Z and how do I get myself presentable out the door? How do I get certain humans presentable and out the door? Everything we're supposed to have done by a certain time, that leaves no room for the ability to enter, for my kids to enter school not focused on themselves. Like, man, mom was mad at me and now I feel shame and now I feel guilty because I made mom mad, you know? And I then I go into my day work or errands or whatever. I'm hanging with Joshua and it's like, man, I'm mad because my kids made me mad or, you know? And so there's no ability to be removed from yourself in a worldly sense. So then whatever I do the rest of the day, whatever my kids do, my kids see somebody crying on the side or sitting by themselves, like they're not going to have the capacity to be able to love them, right? To reach out to them because I've now made them focused on themselves. Well, yeah. that's probably that's probably taking on a lot of weight. Would I probably have, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm probably putting a lot of weight on that statement, but I'm setting up a situation where my kids may not be able to see beyond themselves yeah. well. I mean, it goes back to what we just said about us leaning more into being a child of God, right? Mm-hmm. And even in that, we ha- we have to sometimes go move into situations where we we sit down with our kids and even like hey i'm sorry Mm -hmm. that we started our day like this Mm -hmm. this is not how we want to start our day our day should start on our knees and i want you to i want you to see me do that Mm -hmm. and or my day should have started with worship I i want you to see that and i think even if we don't just being honest with our kids and asking them to accept our our apology for the way we've you know, and then just understand, hey, we are we are not perfect and, mm-hmm. and we need to carry our cross mm-hmm. just like we're going to be asking you to mm-hmm. as well, right? And I and, think too, like, I think like, oh, well, there's things that I can do later in the day. We can do family devotionals at dinner time, but I think it's important to to recognize like somehow I have to be intentional with some of the minutes in our morning where there is influence in their life that is coming from the Lord. So whether, you know, like 
a lot of mornings we'll crank worship music up, right? Or we'll turn worship music on like, hey, can we play sing two this morning? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to play something else because somehow I've got to get an influence in their heads, eyes, ears, right? If mm-hmm. if we don't necessarily have time to sit down and do a family breakfast 30-minute devotional where we all get to think and create and it just it doesn't fit the time, right? Which is okay. There's going to be a lot of families and spaces that doesn't work. And yeah, we can spend time in the night doing that. But if I do it at the night, I went through the whole day with my focus again being on myself or my kids' focus being more on themselves. And then we talk about it at night and you're like, okay, well, now we're going to bed for 12 hours and I'm not going to think about it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I have to really find whatever it is, like how can I take five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes and be somehow get some influence in their intention, you know, like have that intention in their lives in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it'd be good to kind of close with just sharing. Now, this is more related to Lent than it is our actual morning routines, Mm -hmm. uh, even though I think our morning routines are are really powerful that first 10 to 40 minutes of your day. But I thought it'd be fun to share like, hey, this is what we're doing for Lent and how we're trying to shape our lives and, and get intentional and a lot of this came from that book, Habits of the Household by Justin Early. And there's some really good creative stuff that you can do as a family. So I, I thought it'd be fun to kind of walk through what we're, we're doing. So on a nightly basis, they had this great idea, uh, which we started doing, which is just basically placing a candle on our table. <laughs> and during dinner time, before we start our meal, uh, we have one of our kids light the candle and they we just all as a family say, Christ is light. And the hope there is just that you know, it's a habit that we can create. They begin to relate Christ to light. And, you know, hopefully the rest of their lives, when they light a candle, they'll be thinking Christ is light, right? And it's mm-hmm. just kind of something simple that we're doing. As we established our, our week, we we kind of said like, hey, this is how we want our week to flow through the Lent season until Easter, which is, you know, being more intentional about TV time. So we have one dedicated night, which is our a Wednesday night, we're kind of doing like, hey, if you guys wanted to watch a TV show or, or a TV show night, they can watch that. And then during the weekend, we'll have a movie night. It'll switch from one kid to the next or through all of us. Yeah, we have to go to rotation style now. Yeah, kids so we'll have a, have a weekend movie night that one week a kid will get the pick and then the next week another kid will get the pick. And um, so that'll be like the, the allotment of their TV and we'll be intentional to try to be in there with them watching it and be a part of what they are watching, whether that's the show or the movie, and make it a fun family event. And then mm-hmm. um, we're trying to get intentional at least one night a week because we feel like that's where we got to start sometimes, which is a family devotional night, which we'll do on Monday nights. And what we're trying to do there is just maybe add a little bit of excitement to it where we'll have dinner. Then after dinner, we'll have purchased like some special snack and we can have have that snack for around the table and we, we it's just something good that they can tangible they can have while we do an imaginative prayer walk through an imaginative story where they can kind of get to know who Jesus is a little bit more but have fun with it with the fun snack and so there's just some fun stuff that we're having fun doing as Lent or through the Lent season mm-hmm. um, that we'll continue to do which is kind of exciting so I again recommend picking the book up and and checking it out because I think it has some really good ideas and thoughts through just whether that's a a prayer you say to your kid at night or um, something that you do as a family that I think are just really good healthy liturgies or habits that can kind of carry over. And so we kind of just want to leave with this question, you know, how how are you setting up habits or or 
formation within the household because if, like I said earlier, if you're not the one doing the formation, then the world's doing it for you. And again, that's that's not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. The other question I want to leave you with is, is what you're doing uncomfortable? And if it is, it's probably right. <laughs> I, I think me and Sarah can know that well, and I can attest to that because we try to avoid it, but God continues to call us back to being uncomfortable and being honest, and we just hope that we can we can continue to move that direction. Mm-hmm.